0: Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: This episode is
2: brought to you by Opportunities. At Opportunities, they offer unique blends of premium tea with proven supplements. Do you want more energy, focus, and mental clarity? Try Clear Tea today. For 10% off, go to Opportunities.com and use the promo code SMARTPEOPLE.
0: Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com.
2: Smart Welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. I'm Chris Stemp. And I'm John Rojas. Incredible show for you today. Really want to dig deep and get into grit and determination and willpower today as we talk to Joe DeSena, the founder of the Spartan Race. You probably heard of the Spartan Race. You probably run one or been in one. It's very similar to all these other ones. There's Tough Mudder and Just these tough, long runs that test your mind and body, John. These
0: adventure races, if you will.
2: You did one, and it?
0: Yeah, I did one, (laughs) and I'm content with that. Just one.
2: (laughs) But Joe really does cover a lot of good territory about how we need to test our willpower. We have to build this mental toughness. And how oftentimes in this generation, we are losing that mentality.
0: Yeah, and he wrote a book to discuss just this. It's called Spartan Up, A Take No Prisoner's Guide to Overcoming Obstacles and Achieving Peak Performance in Life. So you
2: can't tell me you don't want to read that or hear what Joe has to say. We're going to turn it over here to Joe in a minute. First, we want to make sure you go over to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Check us out, sign up for the newsletter, and connect with us. That's what we're here to do. We want to hear from you, know what you like, what you don't like, what we can do better. As we mentioned, Joe is the founder of the
0: Spartan race, wrote the book Spartan Up, and he actually came from a life on Wall Street where he was able to build up the finances necessary to move forward with this entrepreneurial idea that he had. And he even goes more into his childhood, his rough upbringing. Maybe some mafia involvement, Uh, not him directly, but
2: he was the pool boy for the mafia. Does it
0: get any more mafia than that? It's so amazing. We've got a fantastic episode for you guys here this week. Please enjoy our conversation with Joe Decina.
2: Really excited to talk to you. I myself want to learn a lot about mental toughness. Sometimes I question my own, so I figured you'd be a great person to talk to about that. But before we get into that, I read on Wikipedia something that was interesting, and you can't always believe what's on Wikipedia, but it said that growing up, you lived in an area that was controlled by a mafia Don. Is that for real?
1: Four of them, not just one. Um, It was um, organized crime capital of the world where I grew up. It was a town called Howard Beach. So if you ever uh, saw the movie Goodfellas, we were right in the heart of it and just stop me if I'm if I'm going off track here. But I became a pool guy at a young age in that uh, environment uh, because my neighbor growing up was the head of one of the families. And um, I didn't know at a young age. You don't know that you you do know that all the people with money and and, and the flash and the things that are exciting and the conversations at dinner tables are, are about people that you find out later did some wild things for a living. And you you were attracted to it because that was the buzz. So anyway, he didn't he didn't have any uh, sons. He he had three daughters, and uh, he took me in under his wing and and um, gave me um, my first job, which was cleaning uh, his swimming pool. And then that grew into eventually cleaning pools for seven hundred and fifty customers, most of whom were affiliated one way or another and so it was a it was a really interesting social experiment for me for over a decade. That's absolutely bizarre. <laughs> so yeah, I mean I mean we could do an- another whole show on how bizarre
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we could actually be one follow up on that and then we can move on. But as you were doing that, how did that affect your view of the world at such a young age? I mean, did you because obviously that's not a normal upbringing by any sense of the word. So how did that change the way you kind of viewed normal life or reality?
1: Well, first of all, I've never other than my wife's family. I've never met and I met a lot of families. Don't forget I had seven hundred and fifty pool customers on the side I had a construction business so i I walked into all these homes and really became part of their family uh during the summers and i I mean I was very um personable and and I ate over their houses and I got to know them so even with all that experience, I don't really know of many normal homes when you say that so mm. My wife is the only one I know, and I'm not saying because my wife, that had like the leave it to beaver perfect, uh, you know, upbringing. (laughs) Parents get along perfectly. And it it just, it was almost, that was bizarre to me because I had (laughs) never seen that before. It was almost fake. So in the New York area, especially when you're outside Manhattan in the boroughs, it's pretty normal to have an, an abnormal upbringing. It's, pretty, it's just an insane place.
2: That actually makes a lot of sense when you mention it like that. I would have never thought of it from that perspective. How do you think that that reality shaped then what you have gone on to do, which we'll get into, but obviously you've decided you never want to take the easy road. Do you think that started from that young age?
1: I think so. I think I, I have children now. And so I I spend a lot of my time. Well, first of all, I've always spent time thinking about how to be better, why things work the way they do. I'm just always interested in talking to older people, not making mistakes that they already made. And um, now with children, um, it's especially fascinating. And it's a big focus because I don't want to make a mistake with them. And there's no I'm sure there's many handbooks. But you know what I mean when I say there's no handbook. You get children hopefully you don't screw up. But I want them to take the good qualities that I have and not the bad ones. And unfortunately, we live on a farm in Vermont now, so they don't have the background that you're asking about. And I think that background, that uh, stuff that was going on in that environment, the hustling, I mean, these people were tough, right? I mean, the the people had to be able to, quote unquote, do the time, right? I can't tell you how many friends uh, went to jail or died. And again, it it wasn't like an area of the Bronx or even East New York, which was right next to us, where where there were explosions or gunshots. It was a very good, in many ways, tame neighborhood. But from my focus, a guy that was in these 750 homes, uh, there were people disappearing on a weekly basis <laughs> so, and, and, and going places that, you know, either never coming back or going away for 20 or 30 years. And so I'm sure that helped shape this idea behind grit and um, toughness uh, that I have and i don 't know how to i don 't know how to pass that on without putting somebody in that environment
2: that 's exactly what I was going to ask what i 'm gathering is from your childhood, you learned a lot of these characteristics and attributes that make somebody successful, and by all accounts, you have been successful and can say a lot of it 's from the grit, determination perseverance that you learned from a young age. So then you have your own children. You live on a farm in Vermont, quite the different upbringing. First of all, which one do you feel is better? I mean, you know, growing up in a very controlled, I'm assuming stable environment or the one you were in yourself. And then is that why you created the Spartan race or this mindset in general to pass that along to people no matter where they grow up?
1: It's a $64 million question. It's it's something that plagues me. Um... On a daily basis, because clearly anyone in their right mind would say if they had the choice between uh, the idyllic um, farm in Vermont in a perfect setting to raise children versus um, a place in Queens with, with all of that culture that I just described, you'd choose the farm every single time. You know, uh, Malcolm Gladwell just wrote a book, right, David and Goliath, and he dives right into that, that concept that... Um, And I just talked about it last night, again, with someone, which was, is there a chance my kids could get those good qualities you're asking me about from the farm? And I I don't think there's a chance. Now, will they get other really good qualities? Sure. So the question is, um, can I create components of that environment with those kind of cultural influences of grit and toughness and so forth for my children? And I don't know. I don't know if we've got to leave the farm for maybe six months and go live in like some rundown place outside of Mexico City or something. I don't know. (laughs) I I think about it a lot. And 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 I'm not I'm not gonna roll the dice with it because um because the thing that frustrates me most and drives me most in life is this this fact that ninety nine percent of the people in the world are sleepwalking. They're literally just sleepwalking through life. They're they're living in a bubble wrapped existence, they're lazy they um they don't get really anything done they get stuck in their own existence and um it's so easy to get out of it and just really live life and so i i can't let my kids end up like that
2: right no and i can totally appreciate that and that makes me wonder in your opinion when you say really live life versus the people that are in their bubble what does that entail? Are you strictly talking about the physical aspect of what the human body can do? Or what are you considering that really living?
1: You can't forget that the mind, and I think we all forget, the mind lives inside the body. So it's not, you can't just say, is it physical or mental? When you put physical stress on the body, that affects the mind. That's, that's a great way to change the mind. When, when the body is unhealthy, the, the mind is living inside that unhealthy body. So they're not disconnected. And so I, my answer to that is, you've got to face adversity. Uh, adversity is the road to success, no matter how you define success. And we're not uh, living in a world where you naturally would face adversity. Everything we do is to try to hide from it, stay away from it, perfectly temperature-controlled shower, perfectly temperature-controlled house, food on demand, movies on demand, car starts when you ask it to, coffee's the perfect temperature, that, you know, it's a perfect bubble wrap packaged life. And that's very far from what I'm suggesting, which is throw some adversity at yourself, right? Get outside in bad weather, you'll actually get better training in bad weather, not just physically, but mentally do things that are uncomfortable, take a cold shower. And these are not natural acts. <laughs> this is not stuff that you would even think somebody should be preaching. I love that.
2: I mean, I've never thought about that. I you know, the mind being inside the body and just in general, I just wanted to pause and say that was great. So I appreciate that. So let's kind of move forward. I want to briefly touch on your experience on wall street. Uh, Cause I, that was my goal was to go on wall street. And when I graduated, I realized I very much dislike New York city, so I didn't do it, but I'm still fascinated by it. Tell us a little bit about your time on wall street.
1: So it came from, you know, I came out of Howard beach. I made, I made my way on wall street and and my focus, my target in life that I wanted to hit was I wanted to make money. And my reasoning for that was, uh, one, we, sh- we all want to make money, right? That's the culture we grew up with here, and or most of us do. And I wanted the quickest way to do that. I, I, I was doing construction. I was doing the swimming pools. And there were only so many hours in a day. I could only do so much physical work in a day. And this was a way to basically get paid more per hour. There were only so many hours in a day. And i um, lucky enough to land a job there, closer to my target of making money, which would eventually get me to this place where I could um, grow a family and not, not have the stress that I saw all those families uh, have over money. Very hard to grow a family when you're stressed over money. So I was, gonna, I was gonna take that part of the equation out of my life. I was gonna make some money and then grow a family. And, um, and so I land there and uh, the way they're doing business doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I'm looking at it over over a six, eight month period. And I'm thinking this is the most inefficient, uh, ridiculous way of doing business doesn't really just I couldn't wrap my head around it. So I eventually started my own firm. And everybody laughed because what would a construction worker pool guy know about starting a Wall Street firm? Why would any of the big banks or institutions do business with this guy? And they were right. You know, it took it took about nine months. It was very, very uh, hard going uphill battle. Couldn't get very many customers to do business with me. And then one day, just like uh, when Thomas Edison finally figured out the solution to a light bulb, uh, the phone rang with a big customer and it changed my life overnight. And, and uh, it wasn't by accident. It was luck, but I made the luck because I, I toughed it out. We were nearly bust. We didn't have any money. And I just kept working hard. I just knew that at some point we'd see light at the end of the tunnel, and we did. And we had an incredible run with this firm uh, we built from from like 99 to—or 90, 98 to uh, 2005. Sold it in 2005 and uh, met my wife, and we moved to Vermont. Right
2: in that kind of story, I think you touched on something that a lot of people follow, which is, I'm going to go after the money now so I don't have to worry about it later. And oftentimes the advice behind that is, you know, that's a horrible idea. You're gonna get stuck in a job you hate, or there's a lot of negative thoughts surrounding that. But you did it and it seems to have worked. How do you feel about Uh, the state that statement?
1: I don't think it's a bad idea. Let me let me back up. Now that we have Spartan race, and I'm sure we'll get into that. It is a much more fulfilling life I have because it's not just about the money. It's about changing lives and you feel like you're doing something great. So I if you have a choice and you know that option exists, yes, do something great that has some significance in life. But um, we're not all that uh, fortunate that we can make those choices. We need to make some money. And I think where people fail is not by choosing to make money early. Many people fail because they don't do that. They, they take the cookie or the marshmallow, if you know the cookie test. Oh, yeah. uh, they take the cookie and the marshmallow now and they decide to party and not focus on making money. And then they and then they find themselves in a situation of 50 or 60 years old where they've got to continue to work hard and you don't want to be in that situation. That's what most people do. The ones that, that, um, focus on making money now that the mistake they make is they never leave. And, and, and the guy that got me uh, onto wall street, that got me that first job. He said, the problem that's going to happen is you're going to be making so much money. Uh, you're going to be handcuffed. You, it's going to be very hard to leave. And, and, um, I heeded that advice. I, I remembered that, and, and I had a specific goal, and I hit the goal, and I was out. Most people don't do that.
0: This week, we're excited to welcome our new sponsor, Opportunities. We received a package containing their clear tea the other day and got really excited. I'm kind of a coffee and tea snob, so I wanted to test it out.
2: Tried it. Amazing. Absolutely blown away. Yeah, you definitely are a snob. And I like to make sure that not only it tastes good, but I want to know what the ingredients are, where they come from, and if they're natural. And the great thing about Opportunities is they tell you every ingredient that's in it right there on the box. You can also go to the website at Opportunities.com, that's O-P-P-O-R-T-U-N-I-T-E-A-S, like teas and see what every ingredient is, what it does, along with peer-reviewed information so you completely know what's going on.
0: Yeah, and they stand behind their teas. I mean, there's a 60-day,
2: 100% money-back guarantee. Who offers that? I mean, come Uh, on. People that know it's good. The other thing is the energy and clarity is really noticeable, and it's not just a caffeine high. It's because of all the great supplements and ingredients, natural ingredients that are included in there.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. I didn't get the same type of reaction as I do when I get coffee. If I'm drinking too much coffee, start to get the jitters. I didn't see
2: that on this clear tea. It was amazing. So go check them out at opportunities.com. There's a 60-day, 100% money-back guarantee. It's free shipping in the U.S. And we're here to give you 10% off. When you're checking out, use the offer code SMARTPEOPLE to receive 10% off your order. So as John mentioned, when you click on the buy now, there's a discount code. Type in smart people, get your 10% off. Try clear tea today, opportunities.com premium tea with proven supplements. That's really interesting. And I think it just goes to show there's different ways to getting to your desired end. And that brought you to the Spartan race. And so kind of tell us about that transition and how you had, envision that i mean they're two completely different ideas right you're working on wall street it's you suit and tie to probably track shorts and a t-shirt where you're running up mountains
1: i had my challenges to deal with when i was building the construction and the pool business and those challenges were that people didn't show up for work The, the people i had hired they didn't show up for work they didn't work hard enough they would quit very hard to find great labor when you're working physically that hard when I went to Wall Street, uh, I thought this is going to be easy because I'm going to get all Yale, Harvard, Cornell, Princeton graduates. They're going to show up for work. They're going to work really hard. This is going to be easy. What I found was um, they had different sets of problems that came with them. And those problems were they're not easily satisfied people. It doesn't mean if you go to a good school, you're not satisfied. I mean, people that, that go to good schools and have these high expectations and, and don't and haven't worked with their hands and haven't reframed the reference in life where it's like I had some tough times in my life. A lot of these people haven't had tough times and we were making all this money and I was paying out millions and millions of dollars to, to individual people and it wasn't enough. And so what I needed to get away from that insanity, because that really drove me crazy, not being able to satisfy people with millions of dollars was um, I, I found these races. These, these crazy adventure races all around the world. The crazier the race, the more I needed to do it. It was, like a, it was like a way to meditate and just completely get out of my head all this insanity I was dealing with on Wall Street. So when I left Wall Street, it was a natural progression really to try to start something and share that experience with people. It was so awesome. When I would go to these races, when I would leave uh, for let's say a 10 or 15 day vacation and I'd go to Alaska, you know, 30 below weather in January, and I'd be out there for 10 days, freezing, right? Near death experiences. All you care about is water, food, and shelter. You don't care about the guy that works for you that's, that's complaining he's not making enough money. You don't care about the fact that you know payroll is going to be tight this week. Nothing else matters. Water, food, shelter. And when you get to that place, it's a pretty nice place to be. And when you somehow uh, break through. All that um, those negative thoughts you're having, where you just want to lay in the snow and die, <laughs> you're just miserable. Your feet are bleeding, your eyelashes are frozen, and when you somehow make it to the finish line, it's so rewarding and it's so life changing, and your brain has been rewired. That um, I said I have, we have to share this. I have to create a um, more accessible version of this for the masses, and and that's what we did.
2: You know, I've heard a lot of people and. Even my friends who have run marathons or done different types of races, you have some that say, oh, I can't wait to do it again. And I've had others that are like, I'm going to give that a while because it sucked. To me, putting yourself in that position where you're freezing cold, everything's uncomfortable, you're starving, you're thirsty, sounds terrible. And I I just want to know, how do you say to somebody or how do you – motivate somebody to be like, put yourself in that situation. Eventually it'll be a good thing. Cause it's, that's, that's abnormal for a human to want to go through pain and stress and pressure and all that.
1: Yeah. It's not something we <laughs> seek. We all seek easier, faster, better, cheaper. I don't know if this, you know, and certainly we've convinced a lot of people to do this. So I'll, I'll give you my pitch, which is, um, if you don't do that, if you don't get out of your comfort zone and sweat and freeze and go through that pain, Well, then what happens is today, something bad is going to happen because something bad happens to all of us every day. It just depends on the level. God forbid you hear somebody's got cancer. God forbid somebody gets in a car accident. Again, you can't make payroll. Whatever it is, something's going to happen today. If in the morning of that day, you were in a freezing cold shower or you did 300 burpees or you did something that was really uncomfortable, well, then when that obstacle presents itself that day, because it's going to, it's a piece of cake to deal with. It's like who cares? I'll deal with that. It's it's much better than the cold shower I took this morning or it's much easier than than doing 300 burpees. And and I say that sincerely. I mean, if you think about 200 years ago, let's assume we've been on the planet for a million years. That's the latest research, right? We've been on the planet for 1 million years. 200 years ago, we had very low expectations. We just wanted the sun to come up. We didn't expect coffee to be ready in the morning. We didn't expect the car to start, there were no cars. Today, we have super high expectations. And so when, when those expectations aren't met, if we don't make the $2 million bonus we were expecting, we only get 1.8, our whole life is upside down, unless you've changed your frame of reference. And so that, that's the reason to do these things, is to build some obstacle immunity, right? And And, and it works. It works. I, I feel bad for the people that say, I don't want to do that anymore. I just want to be in a comfy, perfectly climate controlled couch because then those people are not too able to deal with adversity.
0: It's actually really funny to think about that. Both Chris and I were just in Jamaica for a wedding uh, this past weekend, and I had friends that were complaining that the Wi-Fi at the the resort didn't work. And we're in the middle of basically paradise. It's really nice. And the Wi-Fi is not working and people were losing their minds. There were people at the front counter yelling at reception, that type of thing. It does seem like we're getting to a point where we do kind of need to rewire our brains, connect again with how we were. And I do. I think these races and, and other events are are really the perfect way to do it. I mean, for myself, I ran one of the races, so now I like the idea of just taking cold showers in the morning because I fall into that group of people that did it the one time, almost killed myself and I was really proud of doing it, but I don't know if I'll run as long as one of those adventure races again.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. You should just reset your frame of reference on a daily, but even if it's the cold shower or some burpees or anything that just makes you uncomfortable, we can't expect in this life that everything should be perfect and um, it's not going to be and stuff's going to come up and you just want to be able to more easily deal with that because by the way, it's not just how we deal with it. The people you describe in Jamaica potentially cause an entire headache with their families, friends, and the entire hotel over yep. this Wi-Fi issue. And that's not a good place to be. Like when I road cycle on, on, I'm in Vermont. and I'm riding my bike on the road. You get these guys go by and pickup trucks, and they're and they're beeping, they're honking, they're pissed off, they're screaming, <laughs> they throw a soda out the window. What did I do? That, was, that made their life so bad for them to get angry like that. They might be so angry that uh, envision they could go home and start fighting with their wife over the fact that there was a guy in the road that caused them to turn their steering wheel three quarters of an inch, <laughs> three quarters of an inch. It didn't even affect their life. That's, a, right?
2: that's such a good point. I really, like, I love this stuff. I really appreciate what you're saying. So tell us about the design of... Let's see, which one should we talk about? Because I want to talk about the death race, too. I mean, that's what I, I initially actually heard about, the death race, through my boss who's a, uh, an Man. But how did you create that? And how do you come up with the obstacles? I mean, give us a little in-depth look.
1: death race um, really comes out of, of uh, a decade or more of doing these crazy races that I did and thinking about what made my life miserable during those events and how can, how can we condense let's say climbing mount everest or you know something really terrible childbirth if you're a woman how could we condense that that experience that pain that you're going to go through into a two or three day experience that that takes you completely to the brink where you just you just want to end your life and then co- somehow miraculously come through to the other side so i would say the death race is like an exorcism uh Spartan race is more like a baptism. Spartan race <laughs> is acceptable, is more accessible. The people that come out and do death race are are regular moms, are, are uh, school teachers, are business people, veterinarians, uh, Navy seals, you name it. But they're they're people that really just want to test their metal and see um, how far they can take it. And you know, diamonds are made under enormous pressure with coal, right? And and um, that's what happens at a death race. Uh, the obstacles could look uh, like chopping wood. Uh, one year we had um, death racers build a stone staircase in our in our on our farm. We have um, a little mountain that's 1,800 feet in elevation, and we had we dug up a thousand stones that weighed anywhere from 300 to 500 pounds each, and we had the racers install a complete stone staircase from the bottom to the top because it. You know, could they do it? Like the pyramids always intrigued me. <laughs> so, um, and somehow these 300 death racers installed a stone staircase that would blow you away if you came here and saw this. Wow. And, uh, wow. you know, it just didn't seem physically possible. Even I was I was questioning if it could be done. And they did it. And so challenges challenges are unknown. We don't we don't tell you in advance. Uh, every year has a theme. We've had Year of the Gambler, Year of Religion. Um, this year is, I think year of the explorer and the theme becomes clear towards the end. We only get a 15% finishers rate. So once we hit 15%, the race is over, which is an additional frustration point because you're looking to your left and right and thinking these guys aren't going to quit or girls and I'm exhausted. And this is really frustrating Hmm. because, because if I knew, if I knew where the finish line was, it'd be a lot easier, but the finish line could be two more days from now if they don't quit. Oh, you don't know where the finish line is. You don't know where the start line is either. <laughs> we, uh, when you come in and check in, it could start right at check-in. It could start uh, a day later. It could start whenever. We don't tell you. That sounds
2: terrible, <laughs> man. That really sounds awful.
1: But, but life, life is like that, right? Life doesn't tell you when it's over or, or when – it doesn't tell you anything. You've got to deal with it. And so we want it to emulate life. If you, if you start the New York Marathon, you know it starts at a certain time in the morning. You know 26.2 miles, it's over. That's easy. If you told those fifty thousand runners in New York Marathon, look, we don't know if we're gonna stop it at twenty-five this year or twenty-nine, we're not sure, those people would go nuts.
0: <laughs> the thing I like about that too is people tend to set, set goals for themselves. And like you mentioned, the marathoner, the marathoner is setting a goal to be able to run, you know, twenty six point two miles. You're making it so that these people can't set goals. You know, they just need to to kind of trust the system of surviving and making it, which is also really cool. I like that concept of not having to work towards a goal because, you know, sometimes if you don't meet your goal, you're not good enough, that type of thing. That's a really cool idea of, Hey, you're just going to come out here and run and you have to make it to the finish line.
1: With death race, you, you really just got to outlast your competition, right? I mean, it's survival of the fittest. You know, it's that joke when, you know, you don't have to outrun the lion. You got to outrun your friend.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You also, you wrote a book kind of talking about all this Spartan Up. And it's, I love the subtitle, A Take No Prisoner's Guide to Overcoming Obstacles and Achieving Peak Performance in Life. Is the overall message of that the same thing that we're talking about, the same thing that these races bring out, which is being able to deal with adversity?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I just wrote a letter to America. And um, I'm fighting with our PR people to publish it or try to get it published because it's it basically says, America, we are a fat, lazy, sick mess. And if you don't notice it, you know, get your head out of your butt. And um, and so that that is definitely a passion of mine is to get that message out that we are a mess. And the thing that just drives me crazy is it's so easy to fix. When you start looking at the statistics of what we uh, drink – on an annual basis. Here's here's an int- here's an a really interesting stat. I don't know, it's 100, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, we used to eat two pounds of sugar a year. Loose, Very loose stats, I'm gonna give it. Two pounds of sugar per year. Today, we eat and drink a half a pound of sugar a day. Yeah. Half a pound of sugar a day. And, and by the way, all we need to drink is water. We survived for a long time on this planet just with water. We don't need Gatorade, we don't need coffee, we don't need, just all you need is water. Now, now the book is not focusing just on nutrition. It's not focusing just on working out or fitness. It's focusing on here's four or five simple things you can do in your life uh, that will change your life overnight and will make you successful no matter how you define success. If you want to be a CEO, you want to run your own company, you want to be the number one artist, you want to be a singer, whatever it is, here's, here's the blueprint. Here's how you do it. It's simple. But guess what? It requires work.
2: Well, I'm gonna go buy it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sold. The last part there, it requires
0: work. I mean, like you said, we're a very lazy country, and I think that probably turns a lot of people off because people do want to sleepwalk through life.
1: No, I, you know, I think about. Uh, I spoke to Tim Ferriss recently, Four Hour Body, and um, I thought, man, he was he was much smarter than I am. When you put Four Hour Body at, at, or Four Hour Work Week or you're really appealing to what people want. They want a pill. Right. They want a simple solution, and and the title of our book, "Spartan Up," is basically saying forty hours. Like <laughs> you got to work. Yeah. It's not. Um, this is not. There's no pill here. Um, but but I think what we're giving people is reality.
2: That's really funny. I'm actually interviewing a guy. His name's Rich Roll a little later. And I found him through this article he wrote. That's, I forget the exact title, but it was like, stop looking for all the hacks. Like, stop looking for a life hack, a tech hack, a sleep hack. That's not life, you know? And that's basically what you're saying. Stop looking for all the shortcuts that we're trying to create. One last question that I wanted to ask you kind of in general. Through all of this, what have you learned about the mind, and then what have you learned about fear?
1: The interesting thing about the brain is um, the brain is really the only thing that's gonna stop you. I mean, certainly if you didn't have water out in the desert, uh, physically you're gonna stop, that's not that's not your brain. But, but 95% of the time, it's our brain that stops us. What do I mean by that? You're out doing a 100 mile run, your body will make it. It's very rare that your body can't do the 100 miles. You hear about all these Incredible stories of a plane crash years ago in South America, whatever it is, people—the uh, human body is capable of amazing things, much more than than we could ever dream of. The thing that stops us in our tracks and doesn't help us achieve our goals, whether whether physical or business or whatever it is, is um is our mind, and and I've experienced it firsthand. I mean, you you go out and do some of these uh, races, these these adventures. And, um, all of a sudden, I think it's a Brazilian term they've got for crickets that are in your brain, these little crickets or, 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 uh, my friend Andy likes to say, there's this little guy that shows up on your shoulder and he's like, Hey, we got to stop. You know, this is too painful. This is ridiculous. I don't know what we're doing here. And you got to knock the thing off your shoulder. You got to get those crickets out of your head and try to get through another mile or two. And then they come back and you got to fight them again. And, um, I've been in situations where I couldn't take another step. I was done. I've laid in the snow and said, just bury me here, and I meant it. And then somehow you you do another eight days. How could it be, another eight days beyond where I couldn't take another step? So the body is um, capable of amazing things, and and you just gotta get the mind to stay focused, and that's the the hard part. Now fear, fear I think is what keeps us from achieving great things. I think um, we're all afraid to uh, step out of that comfort zone and, and be uncomfortable. You said it. You, you did one of these races and you don't know if you're ready for another one. I guarantee you, if you sign up for one and you commit publicly to everybody that you're going to do it, you're going to have a great time. You're going to meet cool people. Uh, you're you're going to start training in the morning instead of sleeping in. You're, you might not have that extra glass of wine tonight that uh, you were planning on having. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, some great things start happen happening to your life. And um, it's all about getting over that fear
2: well joe this has been i mean really incredible stuff i appreciate it i it's a wake-up call to me i know i tend to do this and so these are the things that i want to hear i wrote down mental toughness you know underlined it i want to look into it and just kind of dive into this and hopefully do a spartan race for those out there who kind of feel the same way i do right now motivated to to read more to learn more to do more uh, is there a place that you'd like to direct them? You're obviously, what is the website for Spartan race and anywhere else you kind of write or motivate anything like that?
1: Uh, Spartan race, dot com is the website. Uh, Spartan up the book is, um, is the book. And, um, yeah, even if you know people that would never do a race, let them read the book and maybe they'll just get out and do a one mile walk cause they'll get motivated. I wanted the book to be called Spartan the F up and the publisher <laughs> wouldn't allow it. So, um. I, I, I printed 3,000 copies with Spartan, the F up anyway, and uh, I've given them out to uh, all kinds of friends and stuff. And um, the feedback is it, it's a very motivating book. If, if it does anything else, it it gets you up off the couch, which is really the goal. And then as far as writing, I'm, I need to do that at some point. I need to start writing a blog. I'm just so damn busy. But um, anybody that wants to talk to me uh, could just email me, Joe at Spartan dot com. I already get 600 emails a day. So if it's 610, it doesn't really matter.
0: How many people are writing you just saying, Joe, you've changed my
1: life? A lot. That's awesome. And it it, it buys me another day of of, uh, email and phone hell that I'm living right now. (laughs) But um, an old timer in in, uh, where I grew up that um, definitely had a little bit of wise guy in him uh, said to me, the best thing you could do while you're on this planet is help people. And so um, when I'm frustrated, when I'm having a bad day, when I'm just sitting in front of a computer all day and answering phone calls and emails – and then I get some of those emails that say, Hey, you changed my life. It's all worth it.
0: Is that feedback better than the money that you saw on wall street and then giving out those bonuses as well?
1: Nothing like it. It wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. Nothing. And I'm not, it's not cliche. I'm not BSing. There, there is nothing like people telling you, you change your life.
0: Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Joe DeSina. Again, his book is called Spartan Up, A Take-No-Prisoner's Guide to Overcoming Obstacles and Achieving Peak Performance in Life. It's fantastic. If you want to change your life and change your frame of reference and kind of get back to the roots of being a human, check out the book. What about if you truly want to thrive? Then you should probably go to chrisstemp.com.
2: Yeah, nice plug, nice plug. No, seriously, I'm going to charge does, you for that one. Joe actually. does. He, he does teach you how to thrive, but that reference was in uh, in regards to chrisstemp.com where I am doing some writing and talking about a lot of the things we learn in this podcast, and also um, some speaking. I was just going to say, I'm going to throw this out there because I don't feel like you're going to do
0: it. But if you like listening to Chris on the podcast and possibly want him to speak somewhere, Hmm. shoot us a line. We're we're trying to get some some
2: speeches under his belt. And I think this
0: is a perfect opportunity to uh, to market
2: that. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually speaking at three universities in a few months. So that's awesome. man. It's going to be a good time. So thanks, guys. Uh, And thanks for being part of Smart People Podcast. It's been a great journey. One that we can't wait to continue doing every episode truly is fantastic john and i were just talking about how we get into flow and just love talking to these people so thanks for being a part of it let us know what you think and we'll catch you next week